Doing good. Thank you for asking. God, we come to you in Jesus' name thanking you for this time of service. Lord, we dedicate this part of our service to you. God, use me as a vessel of your love and to convey the message appropriately that you have placed in my heart to share. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, um, I have the first part of a series called Anchored in God, Finding Guidance and Peace. I remember as a 16, 17-year-old where I was searching for some of my life's purpose and meaning. I always knew I was called to ministry, but I was kind of getting distracted. I Believe it or not, I was... 16-ish, and I got an invite, like I placed in the top 10 in a modeling competition, countrywide, if you, do you remember that? And then I got invited to go to a modeling school. Uh, We still had to pay for it, but they promised work. And what was funny about this process is, I mean, I'd have to move away to like, I think it was Texas or something like that, and my parents were like, no. You're not going to go to modeling school. No, you're not going to go this route. And I I really wanted to become famous. And I wanted to become famous because I thought that if I became famous, then I'd start actually having friends and people would like me. Because I didn't have a friend group. I I wasn't really received by my peers as an outspoken young Christian. So I felt alone. And so I was seeking for for my place. And through this process, I was also trying to get into some acting and just doing some small theater, Christian skits here and there. And I was invited to participate in a skit at another church. And when I was there, the pastor's preaching. Sorry, I'm get, I get emotional because this guy was a big part of my life at integral moments of my life, and he recently passed away. Um, it was Steve Dinkle. And he was preaching, and just out of nowhere, in the middle of the sermon, he, he stops, and he goes, Evan, stand up. And I, okay, so I stand up. And he gave me a prophetic word, and then he spoke, which has become my life scripture, which is Matthew six thirty three, which says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and above all else, his righteousness and he will give you everything you need. And in the in his description to me, he was saying, I'm trying to stop and get something here and then kind of do a little thing here. And he was telling me, I just needed to focus straight on God and stop worrying about being liked or famous or having friends and just focus on God. And, you know, that became a a transformational moment in my life. Because it really started putting into perspective the very thing that mattered the most. Which isn't just knowing God and having a relationship with God, but actually seeking Him first above all else. It's almost as if... Can I use you now? We, we have compasses. And compasses tell us true north. 
And we are often led by compasses when we need help to be guided. And oftentimes, what I have noticed in my life and in the lives of others is that when we seek God, we're seeking Him for an answer, not as the way. And I've done that many times in my life. And so, pretend this fine young man here is God. And I'm just me. And I'm looking at God face to face. And I'm wanting an answer. I'm like, God, is this my answer? God, is this my answer? Is this the answer? I am driving God for an answer. Instead, now you're God. And I'm seeking God, and now you lead me. And I'm just following. I'm not driving. Oh, you're going to hit a piano. <laughs> now he's leading me because I'm seeking him. I'm not seeking the answer and trying to drive him. Thanks, I appreciate it. And what happens is when we're trying to drive God into giving us a specific answer, what What's actually happening is we're, we're focused on our circumstances and not him or our relationship. And that reminds me of a time when Jesus was sleeping in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And he had 12 men with him who were freaking out because they were in the middle of a storm. And i got to be honest, if I was literally in their boat, I would be freaking out too. These guys were professional fishermen and sailors, or at least some of them were. So for them to be scared, it had to have been pretty bad. But what they were doing is that they were allowing the peace of their heart to be guided by their situation and their circumstance and the storm around them. Versus them actually having the presence of Jesus. And they went and got Jesus, and he calmed the storm, and he said, Oh, ye of little faith. But what I also like is about these three men from the Old Testament called, do you guys remember their name? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I love this story. It's probably one of my favorite moments in Scripture where they're taken before King Nebuchadnezzar and hey, I'm going to give you guys one more chance. Bow down before the idol, or I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And one of the young men speaks up and says, King, we will trust the Lord our God with our lives. This is Evan's version here. I'm just paraphrasing it. We'll trust the Lord our God with our lives. We will not bow down to your false idol. And my favorite part, there's this part where he says, and even if he doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow down. Like, Talk about a mic drop moment where you're standing up to the guy who can throw you into the furnace. And you're like, even if our God doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow down to you. They did not have the manifestation of Jesus with them. But their peace was not in their circumstance. Their peace was in God and knowing him and having a relationship with him. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you. 
and my righteous right hand. God is bigger than our circumstances. I uh, had a circumstance once that will forever shape my life. It was 2013, March 3rd, 4th, 4th. And that was the day my first child was born. But she was born as a premature stillborn child. The Sunday before, she was born Monday around 1230. The Sunday before, we went to the hospital uh, and found out through ultrasound and other various tests that my daughter no longer had a heartbeat. And so I had 24 hours to start the grieving process before she was born. When she was born, she didn't look like a normal baby. Her skin was extremely fine and thin and almost translucent. And we had her for seven hours. So from about 12.30 to about 7.30 at night. <clears throat> and like I said, I've, I've come to the grips that my daughter was gone. And I prepared myself for her being deceased. But what I wasn't planning for or prepared for was at 7.30 when I was holding my daughter. And the nurse walks in and says, Mr. Herman, it's now time for us to take her body. The pain, the desperation, the anxiety, it felt as if life itself was being sucked right out of me. Couldn't comprehend it. I don't know if you've ever been swimming and as a child you've been held underwater to the point you couldn't breathe and you became desperate. It felt like that, but a million times worse. Pass off her body, never to see her or to hold her again. One of the things that the doctors wanted to do to to help my wife through that process is they gave her a lot of pain meds, a lot of drugs so that she wouldn't experience much of the physical aspect so that it would hopefully help emotionally and that also made her extremely tired and so she was sleeping on and off throughout that day and I felt alone most of the day not because she left me alone but I mean she was just sleeping, she was tired so fast forward, it's 9.30 at night and I'm laying on the hospital couch and I say, God, where's your love in all this? Because I don't see it. And I desperately need to see your love. God, I know that you are a good God no matter what. I don't blame you. I'm not angry at you. I'm not bitter at you. I know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that this is his doing, not yours. But I need to see your love. Because I just don't see it. And I heard him say this. Let me, let me backtrack. 
before he said anything, he gave me a photo, a picture in my head. And that picture was the moment of me handing my daughter's body over to the nurse. All that pain and that desperation and the anxiety flooding right back in. And I said, God, I don't understand it. Why is this the image that you showed me when I asked to see your love? And this is what he said. Because this is exactly how I feel anytime any of my creation lives a life without ever knowing my love. And in that moment, I could identify with God the Father's heart for all those that live a life without ever knowing his love. And those that have walked away. My heart hurt. And it was broken as a father who lost a child who would never get to experience my love. Through that process, I said, why did we even have to get pregnant? Why couldn't we have just not had the situation happen? And it was kind of one of those slap your forehead moments because you actually already knew the answer. And God just kind of reminded you. He goes, Evan, her eternal life far outweighs any hurt, pain, or suffering that you would experience. And has this broken and hurt father. I'm like, all right, well, what is that? And then that slap the forehead moment is her eternal plan and purpose was for her to dwell with him and him to dwell with her. Same reason why God created us, created Adam, knowing he would sin, knowing he'd have to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. Because the eternal plan and purpose for our life far outweighs the hurt, pain, or suffering that he'd have to go through to reconcile us back to him. And so when we're in moments of struggle or difficulty, it's easy to get distracted by everything else that's going on. But because I had a man who spoke into my life prophetically about seeking God first, that became a foundational moment in my life. That even in the hardest times of my life, I wouldn't be trying to drive God, but I'd ask Him to reveal Himself to me and be in relationship with me. Now, do I do that perfectly all the time? No, I still drive God. But in that moment, I was able to be led by God because I was seeking Him first. I wasn't blaming Him. I was able to focus on Him and not my circumstances. Because I was seeking God first, I was able to find strength in his presence. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in time of trouble. Something else that was very significant in my life when I was in the hospital, I said, God, I don't blame you. I know that you're a good God. I wasn't saying that 
paraphrase that. I said it for two reasons. One, because I knew it was true, and I said it because I had to believe it. Because I was at a moment in my life where I had to choose whether I believed it or not. And so I verbalized that God was a good God no matter what. And that I would choose to stand on His Word rather than my feelings for my situation and circumstances. I chose to walk in the light of God's Word even though my circumstances told me that my feelings were different and that I, I could blame God. Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Had I not been raised the way that I was and had the foundational biblical truth of God's word in my life, it would have been very easy for me in that moment to not know God's word and for it not to light up that moment of my life. Because if I didn't know it in my heart or experience it in smaller moments of my life, then it would be easy to be distracted by everything else. So for the younger people in here, the most important thing that you can do at this moment in your life is to learn and to know God's Word. Because it will lead and guide you, and it will protect you, and it will keep you safe from destruction. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen, but in the midst of those things, you will be able to know and trust in God, and He will be with you and walk through you, walk with you through those moments. Oftentimes, when we're struggling in deep moments and we're needing God to provide, it often looks different than what we expect. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What I wanted was God to do a miracle and somehow resurrect my daughter. But what I needed was to know that my father loved me. And this is how beautiful that, how God provides. Before that ever happened, three years previously, do you guys know 91st in uh, Yale, there's a, I think it's called IBC Bank or something like that. There's a Starbucks. I used to work in the building. And I was walking one day to Starbucks, and I heard God say this. He goes, Evan, this was in 2010-ish. Evan, your first child's going to be a boy. And I want you to give him the meaning of the name healer. He said, I'm going to heal your definition of father. I had no idea what that meant. I wrote it down. So when we got pregnant with a girl, I was like, oh, I missed God. That, that was not him. Then we lost her. And then it wasn't for like three, four, five months after. Then God reminded me of that word. And it all made sense. That God had given me something already in advance 
of what I needed to know that he had a plan and a purpose despite the situation I was in. There was another moment in this process that was extremely painful. We didn't know why she died. So we were having an autopsy done to figure out if there was anything wrong with us or her genetically um, to protect maybe future kids. And a few days later, I get a phone call from the funeral home saying, hey, and I think we had 48 hours before the funeral. And they said, Evan, we don't have her body yet. They have not released her body to us. Like, that's strange. Because her body was supposed to be taken over to where the autopsy was going to be done. And so I call the doctor's office where the autopsy was being done and they said well we never received her we don't have her I said okay Um, and the doctor already left so I called the hospital that she was born in and the hospital said well we don't have her we sent her with the transit company okay so I called the transit company like oh no we never picked her up because the hospital wouldn't release her to us So I called back to the hospital, and I'm talking to a nurse. I have never had so many evil thoughts towards one person in my life, or in a moment, than this lady I was talking to. How do I know you're the father? How do I know who you say you are? I mean, just, this isn't your daughter. This isn't, and she's just cutting me down. And I'm becoming angrier and angrier and angrier. Because my daughter's body was lost. And I couldn't do anything about it. Not only did I lose the ability to show her my love, now now she feels lost and I can't find her. So for whatever reason, I called the place that the autopsy was supposed to be done at because the doctor had already left because he wasn't feeling good. And I was talking to what seemed to be a very young receptionist. And and she was saying, well, he's gone for today. We can't do anything. You know, maybe we can connect with us tomorrow. Thank you. And I was like, ma'am, look. My daughter is supposed to be buried on this day. If they don't have her body by tomorrow, we have to move the funeral. And so this sweet girl called this doctor. The doctor called me and was dumbfounded by what was going on. Called the other hospital. Turns out the nurse that I had been talking to never went and looked for her body. Just was trying to pass me off located her body everything was fine but in this time of sheer torture I'm sitting next to my mom on my in-law's couch 
And I was hurting so bad, I didn't know what to do. Because the evil thoughts that was going in my mind towards this lady were terrible. And my mom just puts her hand on my leg and looks at me. She goes, don't tell me your daughter's one of those people. And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, you know, late to their own funeral. And in that moment, the weight of that moment helped me move on. Because humor was brought into that moment. And I believe that was divinely inspired by God. Well, I wasn't expecting a very funny and inappropriate joke to be the thing that I needed in that moment from my mother. But what I thought I needed, God showed me something different. He brought humor into a dark situation. And he still helped us find the body. And then that doctor felt extremely terrible and did the autopsy for free. And through that process, what I learned to reiterate not only these stories is one that I could seek God first in everything. And instead of trying to drive God for answers, to be led by God that I should prioritize my relationship with him above all else. And through that process, that regardless of my circumstances, I can have peace because my hope and trust and guidance is in him. And that I can find strength in God's presence and that he provides what I need even though if I don't fully know what I need or want, And even if it looks differently, I can trust that his different is better than what my expectation is. God, we just come to you in Jesus' name thanking you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. But I thank you that through this process, we are able to put you first relationally and seek you first. And in times of difficulty, that we can trust you to be led by you versus trying to drive you for answers that we can have peace despite our circumstances like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and that you provide for all of our needs according to your riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus God help us to lay down our expectations and our views of what we think you should be like and do in our lives and just trust the process of being in relationship with you that you are good no matter what in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If anyone is here today that hasn't received the Lord yet, be happy for us to pray with you. Or if there's anything going on in your life, I know we prayed earlier, but if there's anything else going on in your life, I'd be more than happy to pray with you as well. Thank you.